So I guess we'll hop to it then. I guess we should hop to it. I'm sorry, my mouth is full of cheesecake. <laughs> and soon to be gin. Welcome back to another episode <laughs> of Spooky Sisters. My name is Melissa. I'm Emma. And I'm Sarah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we have Sarah back again with us on today's episode. Um, Listen, I'm going to represent today. She's actually going to do a good job. <laughs> I appreciate your newfound effort immensely. <laughs> I have nothing I else in my life. I didn't as much notice I wanted to. Like, like, not for a lack of trying, just there was so much. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can, like, I just, the amount of research, it was, I'm like, I can pull up so many uh, things and, like, oh, this, yeah. will, this needs a whole entire podcast on its own. See, that's, just, how, that's how it was for mine also, and so I'm going to add that in later, but I'll say it now. If you like what you're hearing, let us know and we can dedicate an entire podcast to these themes. I know I haven't said them yet. It's okay. Yeah, even yeah. mine. There is a ton, actually. Yeah, I was like, I was writing stuff down. I was like, okay, I'm like, I could go on forever just in, like, the 1400s. Yeah, so. exactly. like, I'm like, between 15 and 1700, I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to surprise you guys because I don't know what you, like, what direction we were going with this. It was pretty broad, so I kind of... Like, once I found what I was really enjoying researching, I just went from there. Awesome. That's good. Sorry if I'm burping. So, I know. I was like, I'm burping now, too. <laughs> trying really hard not to into the mic. Um, so, actually, our topic this week on the podcast is, for a lack of a better way of saying it, classic Halloween characters. Ooh. Ooh. And they're not ghosts, actually. And, and they're not ghosts, because that's our regular theme, so we'll come back to those bad boys later. <laughs> they um, haven't gone anywhere, I <laughs> promise. So my theme is witches. Emma's theme. Werewolves. And Sarah's theme. Vampires. Woo! Spook witches, it, werewolves, and vampires. Oh, Ooh. my. <laughs> Can I put that on a t-shirt before the season runs out? Listen, I'm so freaking excited. I'm, I can't wait to hear your guys' expressions when I get into this. I'm excited that you're excited. You seem pumped as hell, Sarah. You're just like, oh, let's go. Some, some reading on my own for the sake of it, like, at this point. And I don't have time for that, but I would really want, but I, I kind of want to. You would have really liked last week's theme, too. Yeah. You misunderstood it, so it's probably better you didn't do it. But. It actually, so last week's theme was very interesting, but it actually was upsetting to yeah. have to read it back into the microphone after taking the notes. Yeah. I was like, I'm done for the night. You like, realize that we don't like doing true crime? I like listening to it. I don't want to have to talk about it. I'm sorry. I really do enjoy true crime, um, which you're going to find this is really funny considering how, <laughs> where I went with this, considering I like the true Okay, I guess that's like a teaser. <laughs> no, I'm intrigued. I'm like, what did she find? So, listen, I know y'all. Okay, first of all, I always, I, I don't think I've ever gotten a topic that I didn't misunderstand and every podcast be like, okay, I don't think I got, I don't think I knew what I was researching correctly. You so. understood. You got the doll one. You didn't do very much on the doll one. You did the bar. You got the bar, yeah. That's right, you had a really hard time with the bars. <laughs> you should have just changed the bar, baby. I, I had a really hard time. Was that the last one I did? I don't even remember. I think that was the last one you were here for, yes. 
Are you okay there? <laughs> okay. I have to sit up. She's I haven't a... thought about it since, and it just brings back a lot of, like... <laughs> well, she's kicking like, and Jen are not I, liking I each know. other right now. <laughs> Emma's having some dietary issues, apparently. Ew. Uh, quit farting. <laughs> That's not what this is. My stomach is having a little bit of a fit right now. So Emma and I are drinking gin and tonics. Oh, because we have to introduce what we're drinking. Yes, we're drinking gin and tonics, and apparently her gin is not mixing well with the cheesecake we also have. Well, I'm drinking a Merlot. Really not happy. Very well with the uh, the frozen pizza I ate earlier. Oh, yummy. Yummy. We had shrimp and grits for dinner. Hmm? We had shrimp and grits for dinner. Oh, yeah. Yum, yum, yum. They were very good. It was a cheddar jalapeno grits. So we've had leftovers since this weekend. We've, we still have leftovers from the weekend. We're still eating. We've been going to town. On frozen pizza? From chicken noodle soup leftovers and oh. the Swedish meatball leftovers. Oh, yummy. We've eaten chicken noodle soup for lunch and Swedish meatballs for dinner since, like, sun, Saturday at this point. I'm just kind of thinking now that when you're on the podcast with us, like, the first good ten minutes of the podcast is just us catching up. <laughs> So Sarah's been sick. <laughs> yeah, so I had some amazing chicken noodle soup. I haven't been sick all week, so I'm going to keep eating it. That's the magic elixir. I love chicken noodle soup. I do. I'm still not, I'm still not sick of it, but we figured we'd like, let's just switch it up. For the sake of switching it up, and we'll finish it off tomorrow. So we had pizza. We had frozen pizza that's been in the freezer for a little bit, so it probably needed to be made. I didn't want it to get freezer burned. We had Mod's pizza. The night before last? What was that? Yeah, Monday. It was Monday. Monday, Monday. It was Monday night, yeah. I was like, I ate your leftovers yesterday. Well, the last three know. weeks for work, I felt like two weeks. Like, the last three days at work, I felt like two weeks, so. Wow. My day at work yesterday was real fun. Yeah, Melissa worked real hard yesterday. <laughs> I was in training for five hours, and my training is way more fun than your training. Yeah, probably, because I don't even get to train at work anymore. I'm just, they're just like, here, do this. I'm like, uh, I don't know how. They're like, oh, you'll be okay. So I, sit there, so I sit there with people, and I talk to them about things, just so I don't have to, like, explain this in depth on the podcast later. And I'm like, so this is what so-and-so told you, because I'm in a semi-medical field. How do you feel about it? And, well, do you, you want to get scheduled? Like, I'm not sure what I'm doing at this point. They're like, oh. I'm like, I'm glad we're all in this together. <laughs> I'm glad none of us know what's going on. So what do you do at training? Oh, well, I, I just look up my office manager after it's like halfway through anyway. I'm like, hey, I need help. You probably could have done this, but, or at least sat with me through it. So I didn't have to be like, hey, I'm a bumbling idiot and I have to ask for help. But here we are. That's when you tell them that you're new. It works every oh, time. Every time. I'm like, thanks for bearing with me. I'm the assistant manager in training. Um, so we're going to roll with this, and if we need help, we're going to get help. <laughs> and we go from there. I'm not, I have no problems telling people I don't know what I'm doing. Straight up. I'm not going to pretend like I do. Be like, I can do as much as I can do, and if, after that, we're going to get assistance. I did that the first two weeks pretty good, and then after that, I kind of started rolling with it. Just kind of <laughs> owning it. 
I miss training. I miss doing these things. Oh, my training yesterday was more of sampling than training. Yeah, my training's about to be way different than both of yours. What's up? Amanda? Oh, I did have it. So, like, I got gifts from work. I got a new toothbrush head from my electric and some special toothpaste. So that was cool. I get bottles of wine. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> And minis. <laughs> yeah, no, Melissa's reward for doing good in her training is, oh, here's some minis. What? Oh, that was during a, a, a class I went to last, that was last oh week. Oh my gosh. Well, I had... I think my time code's correct. You're getting minis as retreats? Yes. <laughs> I'm not even sure I'm going to get paid accurately. <laughs> I feel really bad I'm sorry. for you right now. You're, you're making more money than me if it I helps. I every day this week and it's only Wednesday. We took, we took yesterday off. From what? Drinking. Yeah, we didn't drink yesterday. I had one glass of red wine. Does that count as taking a day off? No, it, no, does, it not. does not. Oh, I have, oh, I have taken more of a time off. Uh, today is a week. I've had no caffeine. Oh, damn. No, it's not. me. Like, I don't, like, for you. <laughs> That's what we said on the last podcast, actually, that she she said that she had stopped drinking caffeine. And I'm like, well, I'm having, like, at least three cups a day. So Melissa's drinking for two. Well, Sarah's drinking for you also. So, so. you guys can drink your caffeine for me. It's it's. I have the really sad, like, instant coffee Folgers non, like, decaf. And I'm She's drinking on. instant decaf coffee. I don't know how I can be more sad. Why bother? Why bother? I know. <laughs> it makes me feel good in the morning. Water. You might as well just water up and drink it as is. Like, why? I have black tea also. Okay, tea I understand. Eat some herbal tea. It's not caffeinated, but... but she wants the, like, the flavor of coffee. Tea, brown, bean water with nothing that you even want out of it. And it's not even bean water. I don't even know what it's that... It's flake water. Like. It's dry flake water. Yeah, it's it's flaky water. Oh, oh, excuse me. I just gagged a little bit. Okay. <laughs> a little dried bean flakes. <laughs> okay, okay. In my defense, you're though, a dried bean I, flake. I have been doing pretty good though. I've been living off of my own actual body's energy for a while now. I'm doing pretty good. I only had two cups of coffee today, and I got a little bit tired. <laughs> I almost spit out my gin. Almost I spit it out across the table. Today, and I had to take a nap when I got home. <laughs> Emma's over here just like, I'm living off my own energy. You guys are like, yeah, you have fun with that. It's, no, it's totally, let me, let me just, you're just all mumbled and jumbled there. So I'll just say, um, I know caffeine is not good for you. I'm aware of it. Thank you for your concern. I'm going to continue drinking my caffeine and I'm going to not drink excessively when I can not drink excessively but I already know Saturday I'm going to have quite a bit of caffeine. I actually might reward myself. Things in my Walmart pickup, so I'm prepared. I actually might have a regular cup of coffee on Saturday for my my you know self. She's she's going hard. <laughs> Her body's gonna freak out. Like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> she might have a full cup of caffeine. Okay. 
If you think I like, I am envious of Melissa every morning. I smell the coffee and then I made my, my make my little dry flake coffee cup. Okay. I'm not doing this because I want to. I'm doing this because I know it's what I need to do. I don't need that. I just need more coffee. <laughs> Let me tell my instructor that in the middle of boot camp. <laughs> I need more coffee. <laughs> That'll go over splendidly. You might never hear from me. <laughs> Rip. On her tombstone, it'll read, she asked for more coffee. You don't get coffee in boot camp during chow? I get water and Gatorade for the amount of sweating and that's just out of nerves. Wait, do, you not, do you actually not get coffee? I didn't think about it. Okay, I, didn't I get think water so. and Gatorade. Okay, I didn't think so, but that I wasn't all sure. all I get. What, no hot chocolate for you, the cold weather you're going to go over? I'm, I'm going to die at boot camp, not because of like anything, but the fact it's going to be cold and I have no coffee. I'm sorry if you can hear me chewing on my cheesecake. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry. No, yo, I got, we got to go, we got to start this. I thing. know. We're like minutes in. We're only thir we're only thirteen minutes in. It's fine. By my recording, so yeah, we should actually start going. Thank you for bearing with us. If you're still with us, please continue listening for the rest of the episode. Now on to our regular programming. <laughs> so I'm gonna go first with the um, good old witches, if that's okay with everybody. Yes. I was I was worried about having you go first, Sarah, because you usually don't always have your shit together. But it kind of sounds like you do. But I'll be way more enthusiastic. Wait, say again? I can't promise that I actually have it all together right now, but I'll be way more enthusiastic about it. Okay. I'll just go back to my source that I was going, writing my notes from. Okay. So, which is huge, big thing? Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, and the end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, one of the earliest records of someone being a witch was actually in the Bible. In the book of Samuel, um, it is believed to be written between 931 and 721 BC. Oh it's a story of King Saul seeking the witch of Endor, hoping to summon the dead prophet, Samuel's spirit. Um, it was for help in battle, and it didn't go well for King Saul in the end. There's also another Bible verse from the Old Testament that states, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Additional verses warn against using witches to contact the dead. They're like, stop doing this. Stop <laughs> using these people to summon dead people. It's not working out. Let them go. So witches are a huge thing in pop culture now and have been for a while. Some famous Hollywood witches include the Halliwell sisters from yeah. Charmed, Sally and Jillian Owens from pa Practical Magic, Sabrina the Teenage Witch from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, <laughs> Samantha from Bewitched. I know yeah. that's a big one for Emma. Yes. I did not like that show, unfortunately. I do. Um, Coven, which is an entire season of American Horror Story. Right? I haven't actually watched that one. Sarah? Oh, American Horror Story? Yeah. Coven? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, the Sanderson uh, sisters Hocus from Pocus. Hocus Pocus. The Wicked, Weech, ooh, the Wicked Witch of the East and the West. And Glenda, because she's totally a witch too, even though she acted like a goody two-shoe. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Tell me how you really she's feel not about a her. Good witch. What? I'm a good witch. I know she's a good witch, but is she a good witch? Okay. Every witch and wizard I'll throw in there from Harry Potter. <laughs> the Magicians TV show, which is about 
magicians. Yeah. They're, they're called magicians, but it's all magic. Yeah. And there's new movies and TV shows coming out all the time. So I just threw that in there because it's really big in pop culture. And Blair Witch. Uh, the movie? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I, I didn't really have... I did popular, like... I know, I was just... Sorry, this popped into my head. So, witchcraft is basically the practice of magic, the use of spells. Many witches use nature, energy, a connection to the other side to fuel their magic. There's so many different types of magic and witchcraft throughout history and even now from what I understand. I didn't get to dive too much into this because, like I said, it was really easy to go deep and take up the entire podcast by myself talking about witches. So if you want to know anything more, let us know. To do that, you'll have to either email us or go to Instagram. By the way, a little sass because nobody is. Um, We have a lot of new followers, but we'll come back to that. Uh, But witchcraft slash magic can be seen as Wicca, voodoo, witch doctors, spiritual healers, etc. It's a pretty broad spectrum. Even in today's world, I'm not sure if there's like a hard set definition for witches. Like I typed it in and I was getting different stuff. There's a lot of talk of witches now in today's world using crystals um, and with reading the different energies, reading Mm -hmm. auras, communicating with plants, conversing (laughs) with the dead, stuff like that. It's very nature-based and it actually, that's how it originated. Um, Witchcraft isn't innately dark not now in modern times and not specifically in the past. There's definitely been witches who have gone to the darker side doing devil work, but majority of witches are nature-based and good. Again, that's from what I'm able to find and what I want to believe. Um, A personal opinion of mine, I think a lot of the my air quotes right now, witches, are witches for social media um, because that's very popular as well. When you think about witches throughout history, what's the first thing you think of? Pointy hats and broomsticks. Salem, thank you, Sarah. Pointy hats and broomsticks. That's actually a good thing I didn't get into. Um, But witch trials is kind of what I was going for. Um, I'm so sorry. Witches really came into the spotlight during the 1400s, mainly in Europe. Witch hunts were common, and many women were accused of witchcraft, and many eventually confessed after being tortured. They were then, of course, executed by either hanging or being burned at the stake. The most common women, women who were accused were single women, widows, and women who kind of lived on the edge of society. They were like outcasts. Kind of like did their own thing for whatever reason. In 1486, two well-known and respected German Domitians, which are basically preachers, wrote and published the Malleus Male Ficarum. The book is commonly translated into The Hammer of Witches and is basically a how-to book on identifying, hunting, and interrogating witches. It was most likely the publication of this book that really whipped the whole witch hunt practice into a frenzy back in the 1400s. Somebody's stirring up trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, the History <laughs> Channel, that's where I got a, some of my sources, by the way, 
says that Germany had the highest witch execution rate among Europe, while Ireland had the lowest. Um, for me, this kind of makes sense in the Ireland standpoint, not Germany. The Ireland standpoint, when you take into account the Celtic heritage mm. in Ireland. So we're going to go on a quick little side note about the Celtic. Um, the word Celtic originally um, originates from the Greeks. The Greeks referred to the people who lived to the north of Greece, uh, Keltoi. And Julius Caesar later described the people of Ireland, Scotland, Wales as Celtae. I could totally be butchering my, butchering my pronunciation, so I'm sorry. What archaeologists and historians believe is that the Greeks and the Romans grouped anyone who spoke Gaelic together and eventually referred to them as Celtics. So Celtics was basically anyone who spoke Gaelic. Mm -hmm. So tying all of this Celtic information back into the witches and maybe why Ireland and probably Scotland had low execution rates of witches is because a lot of the early Celtic culture began as paganism before you know, Christianity was widespread and everything. They had many gods, used the healing qualities of nature and plants to make ointments and potions, etc. Of course, when Christianity made its way into the north, paganism was frowned upon, but a lot of those old traditions remained. So I kind of think that's why maybe the witches were able bit. to kind of keep some of their practices without being completely ostracized. Ostracized, hunted, and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, but I can't. Now, bring up the topic of witches and witchcraft without at least mentioning Salem yeah. and their witch trials. Because the witch trials of Salem, Massachusetts are such a popular topic, especially now during spooky season, uh, many people already know the story, so I'm just going to do like a little cliff note version of it. One day in 1692, 9-year-old Betty Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams began having fits including uncontrollable screaming and violent contortions of their bodies. The girls were respectively the daughter and niece of Samuel Paris, who was the minister of the village of Salem. Dr. William Griggs diagnosed the young girls as being bewitched, as well as other girls in the village who began having similar quote-unquote symptoms. Blame was later placed on, the minister, on Minister Paris's Caribbean slave, Tichiba, as well as a homeless woman named Sarah Good and an old poor woman named Sarah Osborne. The bewitched girls had placed the blame on these women. And then the famous witch trials took place. That began the domino effect of placing blame on numerous women throughout the village, including upstanding members of the church and even a four-year-old girl. Some of the accused women would confess and then point the blame onto other people as well, so the cycle continued. Some of the accused witches were hung on what is now known as Gallow Hill, while others died in jail. Salem is a popular place for ghost hunters to visit because there's a lot of reported paranormal activity in the area, which I 100% believe, and I would like to go there, actually. Yes. Um, while Salem is definitely a big deal, it wasn't the most outrageous persecution of witches in history, or even the world. Like I said, Europe, I think, really wears the crown when it comes to the witch hunts. Like, we didn't even burn anybody in Salem, which I'm totally thankful for because it was yes. horrible. We hung them, but in Europe, they did burn. Hang on, you were breaking up. Try again. There was one man that was pressed to death. I did see that, yes. You were in Salem last year. 
Yes. Did you experience yeah. anything? Yeah, we did not burn anybody in Salem or in America, that I believe. I don't think it was America, but I didn't want to like 100% say that, but I don't believe we did. Last year, but we did not burn anybody here. That was more of a European thing. Mm-hmm. We're the same people. Yeah, we we're like... That with rocks. Yes. We were definitely not innocent whatsoever, but there was no burning. So I just didn't know if you had anything to add to Salem because you actually were there, so. That's pretty much what I remember. Okay. We didn't burn anybody. I thought that was the biggest thing. I think that's the biggest thing I took out of that because you always think about which is burning at the stake, but that was totally not an American thing. It was much more of a European mm-hmm. thing. My just hang people from trees. Although the place, it is speculative. They don't actually know the true hanging site. They think, some people think they know where it is and some people, but a lot, there's actually, nobody really, there's an, it's hard to s- explain. There's, there's a, a, a believe location, which I think is Gallo Hill, like I just said, yeah, but it's not. But nobody really knows which hill it is. Interesting. They, they, there's some, I think there's a place they think it is, but it's not actually like set in stone proven from what I remember. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. I could totally go on about witches for a lot longer. But I do and I want to give you both time to talk about your uh, spooky characters too. So again, let me know if you want any more witch information because it's really fascinating and I like just barely scraped the surface. And I also like ran out of time. So my apologies. But yay, witches. I, I really like the idea of witches. I'm sometimes creeped out by the the dark energies that can kind of tap into. Not even energies, the dark stereotype that kind of surrounds witches. I like the the fact that they use nature and I use energies because I like energies, but I don't like... Well, I mean, that, that kind of like what you said earlier, it's like people like always like... To me, there's like two people. The person that thinks of like the darkness, like, you know, like creepy Halloween witches because of like whatnot. And that's, unfortunately, that's what I think of. But then there's other people that, like think of like Harry Potter and stuff like people that just have these abilities to tap into mm-hmm. nature's like powers or however you really want to put it. I wish I had magical abilities personally. Be interesting. So I like that you brought up the stereotypes because going the way my research took me, we're gonna go into breaking down stereotypes. Okay, so it's a good transition into you, my Sarah. My just totally different than yours. Of course, being vampires, you have to start with a little bit of background on the folklore. So there's evidence that um, the folklore of vampirism, vampires and vampirism started in the 17th and 18th century um, in Eastern Europe. Obviously, Bram Stoker um, and his book Dracula is thought to be based loosely on the real person, Vlad the Impaler. Uh, yes. He was a true person, being from Romania. He was also he's very famous for fending off the Ottoman Empire. He would impale his enemies and dine around their bodies, dipping dine? his bread in their blood. Dipping so, his, dipping his bread into their blood. Yes. Oh, that's old. So <clears throat> they said there's speculation that uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula is based off of Vlad the Impaler, although there's some that. There's really no evidence of that, but the similarities are pretty. There are some similarities. I've heard you know, that being, before, and it's in a lot of movies, actually. 
Yes, um, there, there's so many similarities that it's hard not to believe that he's loosely based off of there. Both are being from Romania, both, you know, were warriors and princes. But to keep things moving, moving past, we're kind of going to backtrack because Bram Stoker's Dracula was written after the Middle Ages. But in the Middle Ages, um, there was also a period where stories and belief grew as the plague would often leave bleeding mouth sores. So being the Middle Ages, there was a large population of people who were poor and ignorant and uneducated. Um, and they would think that those bleeding mouth sores would be linked to, va- to vampires. Oh, okay. And it helped feed that superstition. One of the first, so we're going to go back. Sorry, my timeline's a little jumbled. I probably could have rearranged this better. Moving on. One of the first known people accused of being a vampire is, her name is Marcy Brown. She's the daughter of a Rhode Island farmer. Um, who lived in the 1800s and died. She actually died of influenza. But the townspeople were suspicious um, of the many deaths that were happening in their town at that time, and they would examine the dead bodies. They'd exhume these bodies and see if there were signs of vampirism. Poor Mercy was buried in an above-ground tomb in New England during the winter. So her body had very little decay as it was freezing and her body was frozen. Yeah. So they took her, cut out her heart, and fed it to her sick brother, who, no surprise, died shortly after that. Why, why if they thought she was a vampire, what was feeding her heart to someone going to do? They thought, I think they thought that she was draining him of, like, his blood and life. Force? So, Yeah. So she, they cut out her heart to try and kill her completely, which obviously she's, you know, dead. Yeah. Um, and then feed it to back her, her life source back to him. This is my belief. I don't necessarily know, again, 1800s, but that's how I would take it. That's how I took it when reading it. Yeah, that makes sense. Like being infected by influenza, I'm sure her sick influenza-ridden heart didn't help her sick brother. Her dead heart. Yeah. Frozen. I mean, I know people eat, like, pig's heart, I think, but it's not, it's, no, and, like, the influenza, yeah, definitely doesn't do anything good. So we can talk all day about vampires and pop culture. We can talk about movies and shows. What's your your favorite vampire show, Sarah? Vampire Diaries. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, still haven't finished that series. But Damon Rules. Moving on. So, but we're going to actually take a different turn and look into the vampires that actually walk among us today. In real life here in in this world. Okay. (laughs) There are real people who have real rituals to bring other people into their following. And some who actually believe they are vampires. I believe that 100%. I'm going to give just a brief example of one. Um, This is a little bit of a different type of vampire. This is... I think this person is more of a, it took, and if you, I'll, I'll go, I'll come back to this. He took on his role playing and all, and kind of just dove into it completely. Okay. Is this a true crime case? Cause I totally think I've heard about this from Mike and Gibby. So here, um, an example of who, of someone who believed they were real, a real 500 year old vampire. Yep, I know his face. Rod Farrell. Yep. Starting off as a role play turned into a real group that would go into a murder in one of their potential new parents. I'm going to go ahead and make a shout out right now to Mike and Gibby 
on true crime all the time who have an entire episode dedicated to this person i highly recommend going to check out their podcast and check out this episode it's pretty interesting it's a good episode and i will be listening to that later (laughs) rod farrell mike and gibby love y'all you're my lunchtime listening every day um (laughs) so sorry you guys i know you don't listen to us it's funny (laughs) you're the worst guest <laughs> All right, continue with your story. Um, I, I even have the uncut version of our of our podcast. I'm always here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's kind of a that's not the best portrayal of modern day vampires because there's actually a second. There's another side to modern day vampires. Okay, modern day vampires do feed directly from. The blood source, usually human. I think almost always human. In this case, it is human because they do, they have many medical tests that they do. They make sure that the people that they're drinking from have passed um, blood tests, have no bloodborne pathogens, are healthy, and that it's safe. They don't feed from the neck like like, uh, traditional folklore would say, but instead they make an incision on a fleshy part of the skin that won't scar. This is usually done by a trained professional to um, avoid hitting major arteries and other, you know, organs or such. So, um, how deep are they going? It's not too deep. I'll I'll come back into this. It just you just don't want to accidentally because some arteries are close to the surface, like on the neck. If you go too far, or the wrist, like, like if you're an untrained professional, you can you can make somebody bleed to death. So I hope you know. I want you, well. I want you to know that Emma's like squirming right now. I don't like. <laughs> I don't like when people touch, like, my wrists and stuff and my neck because of my arteries, so I'm just, like, tucking my my wrists underneath my arms right now. You would think of a fleshy part. You would think of, like, like that fleshy part of your arm, but you have to yeah. be careful because there actually is a major artery. That right runs that. Up, the, uh, up the arm, yeah. <laughs> the ball. Even more comfortable. So I want to give also compliments to Murticus. Who, his name is Murticus. I hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, and I'm sorry if I'm not. He's been open about his vampirism, um, and he has been one since 1997. Uh, he is um, an antiques dealer located in Atlanta, Georgia. You can find him online. He's been super open. He works with many social scientists, academics, and psychologists. You know, you name it, he probably has talked or worked with them in order to help better uh, generate a better understanding of the identity and what being a vampire actually means in this modern time. I, I wish you could see my face because I have so many questions right now. She really does. This, this is what I'm going to spend the rest of my little segment on. Because we're going to, let me go ahead. You're probably wondering, one of your questions is, well, how do you become a vampire? That's one of the many. <laughs> Becoming a vampire is not a matter of being turned by somebody and according to Murdochus it's actually a frightening and gradual process that um it starts to develop during your uh like puberty or possibly uh, post-trauma it's the craving to drink blood which is also known as uh hematomania excuse me um so most and most of the people in the community have found that just a few teaspoons of blood a week helps satisfy their cravings you don't need a ton of it um, these cravings are said to just resemble an, like an intense thirst, uh, feeling. 
also, I think it was it was also important for me to mention that it was stated that unlike in pop culture, vampirism isn't sexual in nature. Although there may be um, folk, folks where that oh, that sexual um, part of it may overlap, it t- but it's not to be. Cons- I'm sorry, I'm saying oh, a lot. It's not to be confused with a blood fetish. It's not the same. Okay. It's not hip or cool. It's not a hip or cool trend for these people. It's an actual craving that they have. It's not a fad. They're not trying. It's a legit craving. Is this is this considered like a mental disorder? Because having cravings for weird things is. It is not, and I'm coming up to that part. There are actually two types of vampires. There's the blood vampires who gain their energy from the blood. There's also psychic or energy vampires who drain off who drain um, off of life force. So they kind of feed off of the life force. And I didn't really elaborate on that, but I think there's if it's energy, they're not necessarily they don't need you don't need to kill. None of these vampires kill people. There's no there's no death. There's no hunt. There's none of that. I've heard of the energy vampires before, but I heard about it in. It was more of like a. I was reading about. It's gonna sound really, really weird because it's not really coincide together. But like, soulmates and this person was like, oh, I think my soulmate's an energy vampire because basic. Well, because they feel like they're just sucking all the energy from them. Like they're not really happy. I'm like one that's not a soulmate then, and but so the, the energy energy vampire I understand more. I guess. Okay. I, I'm really. I'm still a little bit upset about the whole vampire thing though. I find it fascinating. I'm like, it doesn't upset me at all. I'm like, oh my god, this is real. Um, so. Well, how is it not a mental condition? Like, does it give them any like power? You said energy. Does the blood actually give them energy? Or do they not age? Like, what what is it doing? No, it has nothing to do with any of the fictional stereotypes. So it's not a the, the blood is has nothing to do with immortality. It has nothing to do with power. It's literally just a craving. And that's not a mental disorder. Understood in this in this sense with Murdicus, um, in this little bit that I've been able to understand, because if they only need a two a few teaspoons a week, it's it's just a craving that their body has. They don't need to kill to get it. They don't want to, and neither type of those two vampire two types of vampires associate themselves with fictional creatures. They actually they try very hard to keep that disassociation. They don't want to be that. That's not who they are. They don't see themselves that way. They don't act that way. And you would never know if somebody was a vampire. Um, they blend in with society. They look like you and me. They don't want anyone to know because it's a lot that part of their lifestyle. There's a lot of fear behind show, giving somebody that knowledge about them. It has vampirism has a has a taboo associated with it. It actually is not considered a mental disorder. And not not something that needs to be treated. They don't want to be treated. It's not something you can that they. I don't think you can cure. It's not in the. Um, oh, I need to go back to that. There's um, there's actually a um a book. It's for psychologists and about psychology. All of the recognized mental disorders. And a lot more up to date. Vampirism is not consi- is not in it and not considered a mental disorder. They're not harming anybody. Like 
that's not either i guess even their blood sources aren't harmed they're consensual it's not it's not a form of bdsm it's not a form of torture it's not a form of it's not any of that it's not a form of power it's simply they want to drink blood i have so many questions and i guess i'll probably talk to you off air about them and i'm i bet other people have questions too and i'm not trying to i i ask things kind of probably in a seemingly rude manner i'm not trying to be rude especially if we have a vampire listening because uh, wouldn't that just be ironic? Please come on our podcast. Please reach out. I'm so fascinated. It's I just so important to me that through all this, the, through the folklore, through the years, centuries of this taboo folk, folklore, that it just comes down to this. What did I say? The uh, hematomania mania. I'm gonna take your word on that one. I don't know. That's pretty much my research, but I just thought that it was, it took a really interesting turn to think that these, what we see as folklore and Halloween creatures are actually people that live in society, doctors, lawyers, respectable members, you know, that we would think of in society with this hidden part of their life. It's kind of sad that they that we have it to the point where they have to hide parts of their life. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there are, I'm going to say vampires because I don't know the technical term that you're saying. Do you think that there are vampires out there who do embrace it and do tie it in with the pop culture and folklore? Actually, when the community actually sees those, they actually consider them like posers. They're not... There is, there are people um, that that's like take it from the folklore standpoint and like dress. They, they almost kind of like dressing goth. That I think they said there was like a very small percent of people that actually dress like that that are vampires. Like it's not, it's not that. That's more pop culture. That's more trendy. That's more fad. These are. That's interesting. This is something that's biological. Uh, So I think it's interesting that both your and my topics are both, well, yours is more folklore, but both of them are real in society today, and both of them have different stereotypes associated with them. And, like, you can have, like, no vampires who have goth or have fangs or whatever. You can have witches who dress all in black and all that. Or you can have normal... Go figure. Wait, say it again. Witches today would be more accepted. Wiccan, that's more accepted than vampirism. It's actually really accepted. But then there's a lot of witches who look super normal or they have more, like, for lack of a better word, I'm sorry, that hippie vibe mm-hmm. because it's more being in tune with nature. So, yeah they're, yeah, they're more accepted than the vampires. I mean, I guess the vampires, you know, they have time. It's, it's yeah, this the drinking blood part that freaks people out. Like, it freaks me out, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand because I don't, I don't have that craving, but they're not killing anybody. They have, they're doing it safely, like, you know. I just thought that took a really, it took a really cool turn when I was researching. I'm like, no way. No, no, that's super cool. Thank you for sharing that. Because, no, you know, I mean. Emma's really upset right now. <laughs> it's like, 
Oh, you, yeah, but there's actually a legit population that can't actually even come out and tell people because of how taboo it is, but they actually have these these cravings, and they're like, if they had been called anything other than being a vampire, it might have been had a completely different acceptance. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so, thank you so much for sharing that. That was really fascinating, actually, and I'm going to well, have to, like... Say it again. I totally want to hear about werewolves in real life now. So mine has nothing to do with modern day. She she had trouble finding modern day. Mo- and when I explain this story, it is a very well known story. You'll know why. Because no offense, you guys like have the good witches and like the vampires that are like totally friendly. That is not at all what I'm about to go into. I am sorry for taking this drastic turn, but there is nothing nice about a werewolf. I like lycanthropy, and I. We can, um, but I like lycanthropy, and I think it's really interesting, and we'll probably just, we might have to do an entire episode on this as well. Mine. Because I bet, yeah, on yours, because I think there's probably a lot more to it. There is. Um, I bet there's real-life lycanthropes out there. Oh, I do believe it, because of everything that is possible, like the witches and Sarah's gentlemen. And <laughs> They're not all men. Him as an example. Oh, yeah, the guy, him as an example, sorry. But I do believe in that. The reason I picked this specific case, it is very old, but it is pretty well documented for being in 1521. Wow. So I found that extremely interesting. But I have the cases of the wolves of Polony in France. Wolves of what? Polony. Polony? Polony. Polony? It depends on how you pronounce it. English, we're going to butcher it. France. Yeah. Sorry, Definitely. French. Sorry, I have slacked on my French in a very long time. But are you there, sir? This, I'm listening. So this story is very interesting. Uh, side note, real quick: there was a uh, a very well-known wolf attack slash werewolf thing that happened in France in the 1700s. But I didn't feel like doing that one. I really liked the story. I'm sorry, there's going to be a lot of detail. That's cool. But to do start you have any off, backstory? yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I do. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't want to say anything, so keep interrupting her. It's fine. So, background of what the werewolf is and its history and how far it goes back. A werewolf is said to be a shape-shifting creature between man and animal that are unable to control their bloodthirst for killing humans and animals. Oh. So, we're taking a drastic turn from murals. Some of the earliest stories of werewolf actually have said to gone as far back as the Epic Gilgamesh, and that's in quotes, the Epic Gilgamesh, which is a poem from Mesopotamia. Whoa. Yeah. I think I've heard of this before. I like Mesopotamia. So that is, if nobody out there knows it, understands that, please look it up. It is super important and it's very old. It also goes back to Greek mythology and Nordic folklore. So this has taken its turn through the ages. So it's really no wonder why it's made its way into modern day transitions. The, the way one, turn, one turns into a werewolf has many different types, actually. There are many different ways. You can have a cloak that, or a piece of clothing of some kind of cloth that you put on and it transforms you. An ointment, or you can be bitten or scratched by a werewolf. And that is uh, a, the most well-known one, obviously, is the full moon, which would fall under more of a curse. Oh, wow. So I thought that was also interesting that there were that many different ones. 
But by any means, all these have made their debut through many legends, folklore, campfire stories, books, and of course, movies and TV shows. We all know them. So let me give you one of the most well-known true cases of werewolves. So here we go. I'm sorry, mine is a very different from Sarah and Melissa's, but this is, I found the amount of uh, written down of what the, this account that have happened to be extremely interesting, and it is uh, validated by a second man. I think it's cool. No, so, I, it's fine that it's different. So, in December 1521, in Polonais, France, there was a trial for a werewolf. Well, werewolves, actually. On trial were the gentlemen named Pierre Burgot and Michael Verdun. It was said that a traveler was attacked by a wolf and this traveler fought back and ended up wounding the creature. This traveler then followed the trail and came upon Verdun's house and saw his wife caring for a wound on his body. He believed that the wound was similar to what he had done to the wolf and went to let the authorities know. They were taken to trial for witchcraft as well as cannibalism. Into the trial, Burgot ended up making a full confession. He told a story that began 19 years earlier. A storm had scattered his sheep, and with the help of others, he went out in search of them. While out searching, he said three black horsemen rode up and asked him what the problem was. After hearing about his troubles, one of the horsemen promised Burgot th three things, that he would find his lost sheep, he would have protection, and he would never have any more problems, and he would have money. I'm sorry, protection with no more problems, and then he would have money. But if he, but only if he pledged his service to his master, in quotes. Okay. Burgot had agreed to meet the man again in four to five days to make this deal. He did end up finding all of his sheep and went to this meeting where he learned that this man served the devil. He had to swear an allegiance to the devil and renounce Christianity. He had kissed the man's hand and described it as black and ice cold as of that of a corpse, in quotes. I don't like that. He learned later the name of the man was Moiset. Moiset. For two years, he kept his word, and, but grew tired of how his life was and started to, again, attend church. Michael Verdun, his friend who was there with him, as I previously stated, had persuaded him to renew his contract with the devil in the promise of getting more money. Verdun took him into the woods where a ceremony was performed. It was there that they transformed into wolves. Burgot has written a description of that night, and I'll re read directly what he said was that it was like. So what I'm about to read, as far as I'm aware, is the quote of what they've written down of what he said this account was. So this is not my wording at all. In a wood near Ch uh, Chassel Charnon, we met with many others whom I did not recognize. We danced, and we had in his or her hand a green taper with blue flame. Still under the delusion that I should obtain money, Michael persuaded me to move with the great celerity, and in order to do this, after I had stripped myself, he smeared me with a salve, and I believed myself then to be transformed into a wolf. I was at first somewhat horrified at my four wolf's feet and the fur in which I was covered at all, all at once, but I found that I could now travel with the speed of the wind. This could not have taken place without the help of our powerful master, who was present during our excursion though I did not perceive him until I had recovered my human form. Michael did the same as myself. When we had been one or two hours in this condition of the metamorphosis, Michael smeared us again, and quick as though we resumed, as, 
and as quick as thought we resumed our human forms. Excuse me. The solve was given to us by our masters. To me, it was given by Moisette, to Michael by his master, Guliamon. Guliamon, I'm sorry. I pronounced that wrong. So that is a direct quote of what he said had happened. So, That's pretty cool. Yes, except, you know, the devil part of it. During this, conf during this confession, Burgot said that unlike previous accounts from accused witches and werewolves, he was not exhausted after shape-shifting. Okay. Which is very, apparently very odd. During one of his occasions as a wolf, Burgot had said he'd came ac come across a young, a young boy about the age of six or seven and intended to tear him up and eat him. But the boy screamed so loudly that he had to run away and put the ointment on to resume his human form so that no one would suspect him. He also said on another encounter that while with Verdun, they attacked and tore apart a woman who was out gathering food. A man had attempted to help her, but sadly... They killed him as well. They also ate a girl of the age of four, leaving only behind only one of her arms, as well as attacking another girl and drinking her blood. They had many more encounters, but I'm sure by now you're getting an idea of some of the gruesome things that they did. Yeah. And as you can tell, they were very well aware of it. Mm-hmm. So Burgo also said that he, would be, he had to be naked in order to make the transformation into a wolf. Verdun could do it with his clothes on. He also stated that he had no idea what happened to the fur once he was back in human form. Verdun stood behind all of Virgo's statements as true. After all this information, it is no surprise that these men were promptly executed for their crimes. <laughs> so that is one of the oldest and most well-known stories about werewolves in 1521. I've never heard that before. That's really interesting. So I was very, very interested by that. There was actually quite a few different types of these stories of werewolves and whatnot, but for me, this one, I don't know why, but I think the amount of information I could find on it is what really, really caught my attention. Okay. Because of how well it was documented, so I just, I picked this one and I went with it. I did not, unfortunately, look into how werewolves are today, but going back through, like I said, the folklore and the epic Gilgamesh, I don't really think werewolves can are usually by any means good creatures. I believe if you're cursed and you're unaware, I think that's something different like in different movies like, spoiler alert, Little Red Riding Hood, um, and this is gonna sound so silly and people might not even know what I'm talking about, but um, oh, the two comedians, they just totally popped out of my mind. They, they meet all the scary monsters. I have no idea. Oh, it's these, t these two old comedians, they, they met all the scary monsters and the werewolf in that movie Oh, Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello. That's it. Excuse me, Abbott and Costello. And the werewolf in that movie was aware of what he was, but he had no control over himself when he was a werewolf. That's, for most stories with werewolves, they don't have control. Twilight, they do have full control. I mean, not. I'm not using Twilight as an example. Of Team Jacob, therapy, all the way. by the way. But <laughs> Team Jacob. No, already did. <laughs> And I'm just like, sorry, it's like it's a well-known one. It is. But it's, if you, I mean, if you want to reverse it to Vampire Diaries, their werewolves don't really have control in that show. And again, so, these are obviously not the only two examples of vampires and werewolves. But, but like, again, like, between your witches and Sarah's vampires, there are many different types, and I think that is something that is very interesting. I've never heard the bit about the werewolves being tied to the devil, 
That is also something I found extremely interesting. I don't like it though. I don't like it either, but I don't think because I like wolves. <laughs> I don't think it's all werewolves. I think it's happened to be an event that happened in a very old time, and if you do believe it happened, if you don't, the if you do or do not believe in the devil and God, that's totally well and fine. But just for my beliefs and the sake of what I'm about to say, I have to say. I believe the devil could do something like that, yes. Oh, I believe it Absolutely. too. I don't know, I I used to hear stories like this and like stories of the witches and stories of vampire, like just all these like stories from back in ancient times. And some of them just seem so far-fetched and you, you immediately question them. It's like, oh, they have no idea about the world. No, they blamed everything on the devil. They blamed everything on stupid shit. And, and that's why this I story caught my on eye. It, I'm like, what if it's not so far-fetched? I think it's that, and I think there's also a depth of things that we don't fully understand, obviously. And like like Sarah said, like they're not really accepted into society. Yeah, you're poor I think there is levels. But well, I, not the vampires. But they that, just want to be accepted. <laughs> they just want to have to hide. Can you imagine? Oh, look. <laughs> but, uh, so, so that... I don't know well, if Emma's getting mad that she's but being interrupted. So that was my wolves uh, Pawnee. I I like your wolves. I thought that was very interesting, especially I wanna, that it goes back to Mesopotamia. I want to know more about wolves. It's, there is a lot. So listeners, if you'd like us to elaborate on either of those, please email or send an Insta message or however this works. DM. Direct message. Yeah, so again, that nice reiterate that. Email us at spookysisterspod at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram at spookysisterspodcast. Thank you to all of the new people following the podcast. I doubt that they are actually listening to the show, but thank you anyway, because we actually had, like, in the past couple days, like, a ton of new new followers. followers. Which is really cool. Yeah, I actually cool. Can I do that? Can I do that? How many are we up yeah. to? Have we made it to twenty? What twenty? What followers on the podcast or itself or the Instagram? Oh, the podcast itself. Oh, uh, the podcast says that we have nine listeners right now, so it goes up to ten sometimes. Oh. Each time I post a new episode, it decreases because it's the. Oh my god, what's the word? Oh, the amount of people listening to that. The Does, our, does your Insta Insta account have more followers? Yes. Yeah, the Instagram has like 40 followers. <laughs> no. Y'all. Just um, put us in the background. It's a lot of other podcasters, um, which I appreciate. I'm I'm always willing to support new podcasters as well. Algorithm. I'm oh, sorry. I, I I'm probably going to cut out portion of that. But the word I'm looking for is the algorithm. The app that I use, each time I post a new um, episode, the algorithm kind of like tweaks. So it takes into account this new episode and the amount of listens. So it always drops our number of listeners. And then as soon as people start listening to the new episode, it rises again. So we gotta gotta give it time. We try not to look right away. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you to the five people who always listen on Mondays 
after I post the episodes, I notice and I appreciate you all. We do too. I will do a small shout out because I just got one of my friends to finally turn us on because they've been rather busy and they love us. And so shout out to Juan. Thanks for having us on and thanks for just chilling with us in our spooky time. I also want to shout out Drew for being a loyal listener. He's been very loyal. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Drew. And also thank you to Bill. He's also a new listener. And I appreciate you for listening. (laughs) We really do. It may sound kind of silly, but we really do appreciate the support and that you guys turn us on and care to listen to us. And yeah, my friend Sarah, I've given her a shout out already before, but she listens while doing her, um, her homework and her studies. Oh, yeah, makes me happy. So she, she, she gives us positive feedback, which is really nice. Oh, and of course, we already did Lindsay's shout out, but yeah, we did Lindsay. Lindsay's always, always there for us, too. But. So, um, we also branched out last I looked at our uh, countries to the Philippines. Did I say that already? I think you told me that. I'm not sure if you've said that in the last episode, but that is exciting news for us. Yeah, let me look really quick. Yeah, we have listeners in the United States, India, Canada, Ireland, France, Germany, United Kingdom, Philippines, oh, Spain, and the Netherlands. Those are my two new ones. Netherlands. So thank you all for listening. We appreciate it immensely. No idea. (laughs) And I feel like I was going to say something else in this podcast. Um, You all are going to get this episode on the... What is that, the 19th? 19th? The yeah, 19th. So this comes out on the 19th, which is the second to last week of October. Sadness. But we do have another spooky one coming for you for the end of October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us. It was a pleasure as always. And actually, fascinating and good job this time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I let you down the last, most of them, all of them. Today I redeemed myself. She did. She redeemed herself. Thank you. I'm so glad we got to sit around. I can do the thing. She did the thing. She did the thing. I'm glad we could sit around the campfire and join each other. Yeah, I love the campfire. And we didn't have marshmallows per se, but we do have marshmallow Milanos. If you see those in stores, buy them. They're They're really good. They're so good. They're really good. They're really great. I've always wondered. Yeah, you should get them, Sarah. They're so good. Any excuse to buy new cookies, you know, I'm all about it. Yeah. Because today, and today is the 14th? Yes. Today, currently for us, is the 14th. It's National Dessert Day. So if you do not celebrate, Celebrate do so now. Yeah, celebrate with us on this Monday. (laughs) Yeah, uh, celebrate on Monday uh, for a late celebration. Because there's always reason for dessert. A nice cookie you deserve. Alrighty, but I think that wraps everything up for this episode. So, until the next campfire. Oh, yes. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.